Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. I'm Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute, and we have Trina Tadaros with us, who leads HRI's Regulatory Center. Hi, Trina. Hi, great to be here. Well, thanks for joining us again. You know, we've had a lot of discussion around the pandemic in general. I think for our listeners, they've seen a little bit of a pivot as the vaccines have been rolling out. We've had more to talk about regarding the vaccines and the campaigns around those. And today will be no different. So maybe you could anchor us a little bit, Trina, with where we are in terms of the vaccine rollout. What do those numbers look like? Yeah, yeah. So so if you look back at when the vaccines were first issued their emergency use authorizations back in December, we've had this steady, steady climb up of more vaccines being given to Americans every day, practically. And I'd say, you know, if we're just looking at the numbers from the first week of February, we're seeing about an average of 1.5 million doses given per day in the United States. On one of those days, on February 5th, the the nation actually gave 2 million, uh, slightly over 2 million doses. And so things are picking up. I think that that if you look at, you know, compared to a month before and then maybe a couple of weeks before that, you know, it's it's pretty striking the increase. We see the rolling out of more vaccination sites and perhaps the beginning of a smoother process in some places to get the vaccine. So I think that's one of the things that we're hearing is a lot of frustration on the part of Americans trying to figure out where do I go get my first dose? And then also now, you know, where do I go get my second dose? So things are improving, but there's probably, I think most everyone agrees that there's a long way to go. But let's, I think we can celebrate the improvement, just looking back, comparing with one month ago. Well, I think, you know, anytime we can have just a little bit of celebration during the pandemic in terms of moving the right direction, that's always important. You know, one thing that you've done for us over the course of our podcast is I've always brought up what's happening around the world. And comparisons can sometimes be useful because we can learn things from other countries in terms of what they're doing, but also we can see pitfalls. So how do we look globally in terms of vaccine distribution? Well, I think there's lots of different ways to look at it. And by one measure, you know, we're doing uh, top of the world. So if you just look at the number of doses administered in the United States compared with other countries and the daily rate of doses, we have given more than any other country and we are doing more per day than any other country. And that includes China, that includes the EU, the UK, India, countries like that. But I think probably the more important metric is doses per 100 people, because obviously you expect the United States with its large population to do more than, say, a tiny country like Israel. And yet Israel leads the world in terms of doses per 100 people. And this is as of February 5th. So it's possible in the next few weeks this could change. But Israel has vaccinated 58.53 doses per 100 people. And that's not 58 people per 100 people because they are primarily using the Pfizer vaccine, the mRNA vaccine that requires two doses. And so they have given out 58.53 doses per 100 people. The United States has done about 11 doses per 100 people. And so that puts us further down the list in terms of countries. You know, that's quite a bit different than Israel, 11 per 100 versus 
58, almost 60 per 100 people. Both Israel and the U.S. are using mRNA vaccines that require two doses, so they are comparable. Eventually, likely we will have a single dose vaccine available to us, and then perhaps it'll be um, a little bit apples to oranges. But as, as of right now, both countries are doing uh, two dose regimens, and a lot of other countries are as well. So they, they are comparable. So we're doing, you know, we're not we're not top of the world when it comes to doses per one hundred people yet. <laughs> Well, you know, and that's an important thing, right? It's always total numbers versus ratios. And so it's important to bring those up. I want to change subjects just a little bit. You know, early on in the pandemic, I, I, you know, you made the point on this podcast that we actually don't all experience the pandemic the same way in the United States. And for that matter, in many countries. And, you know, I think there was talk of that, that this is something universal that we're all feeling and we're all experiencing together. And to a certain extent, we are. But there's also another reality there, the reality of social determinants of health and the reality of neighborhoods that have more and those that have less. And it appears some of those realities that were with us for the heart of the pandemic, which is still going on, may be continuing on with us even into the vaccine distribution. So I was hoping you could kind of peel the onion back a little bit on this very serious subject around equity when it comes to vaccine distribution. Yes. In some ways, this is completely unsurprising because every aspect of the pandemic has shown a light on how disproportionate the illness and the infections have been felt depending on your race. And so we saw Black Americans and Hispanic Americans become infected more often than white Americans. We saw Black Americans and Hispanic Americans become hospitalized more than white Americans. And then we've seen Black Americans and Hispanic Americans die more frequently than white Americans proportional to the population. And so with the vaccination campaign, we see the same thing. We see signals of the same thing happening. And I'll point out that one of the big questions is we, we really don't know because only about half of the states are reporting vaccinations by race and ethnicity. So many states, including some of the large ones like California, Illinois, and New York, as of first week of February, we're not reporting vaccinations by race and ethnicity. So we're kind of blind in terms of those states. But if you do look at the states that are reporting this, you see almost the inverse of what happened with the rest of the pandemic. You see white Americans disproportionately being vaccinated and Black Americans and Hispanic Americans being left behind. And so if we just look at some of the, the data Kaiser Family Foundation pulled it together beautifully. So I'm looking at their data and you see just state after state where the percentage of vaccinations going to, say, Black Americans in a state like Mississippi is far lower than the proportion of Mississippi's population that is Black. And so you see that just every single state, there's not a single state that is reporting that that I found that is vaccinating Black Americans proportional to their slice of the population in that state. Now, mind you, we don't have data from all the states. So this is just the states that are reporting. The same story is true for Hispanic Americans. The only state that appears to have vaccinated Hispanic Americans in the same proportion so far to their percentage of the population is Vermont. The rest of them are far, far behind. And so this is just a continuation of the story of the pandemic where race 
and ethnicity really play a huge factor in, in what is going on and what is being experienced for all kinds of reasons. So that's just sort of in a nutshell what we're seeing. We do know that the federal government is aware of the data problem, and we do expect that soon enough we will hear from the federal government that they will be requiring or strongly urging states to start reporting these demographic data out so that we can have a better vision into what is going on with the vaccination campaign. And then once you know what's going on, you can be smarter about how resources are allocated and what kinds of decisions are made to improve access. You don't want to improve access to exacerbate the problem. And so without really a good sense of where the campaigns are working and where they're failing and who they're failing, it's really hard to make good policy around that to ameliorate the problem. Well, I think that's a very sober analysis of what the data shows right now. And maybe a week ago or so, we were speaking and I was talking a bit about the last mile issue. And that is, you know, all the technology in the world, all the innovation in the world doesn't help if you can't get those shots into the arms. And what we see in many communities is they don't have the technology. They don't have access to the health system. There's poor communication in terms of, you know, where to go, how to get it. There's a mistrust often in different communities with the health system. So there's really a lot of work to do. And I think it shows, once again, the gaps in our U.S. health system around those social determinants of health, which we've written about and and put together a lot of analysis on those gaps of the social determinants. You know, and I think that leads into the next piece, which is there's another way we're going to start distributing vaccines. Mainly what we've been seeing are the states and, and counties and cities setting up more public areas for distribution. And of course, with some of the hospitals and health systems, but it looks like very soon we're going to see vaccines going to many of the retail pharmacies and health clinics. And I was just wondering from where you sit, how is that going to change the distribution framework? Yeah, yeah. So the Biden administration, just like you said, Ben, decided to send vaccines to retail pharmacies to improve access, to give people many, many, many more places when it's their turn, when when it's their priority phase, to many more places to go to get it and hopefully solve some of the bottlenecks. And so one of my questions was just sort of in light of what we know about the inequity in the vaccine distribution, will this decision aid equity or further damage it? That was my question. And just on the face of it, sending vaccines to retail pharmacies, if it's not done with some kind of other push to push access in neighborhoods that don't have a lot of locations, this could actually exacerbate the problem, making it even easier for neighborhoods that have a lot of these retail pharmacies all over the place, making it easier for those folks to get the vaccine and consequently not necessarily easier for people who live in neighborhoods without a lot of these big retail pharmacies. So just a sort of back of the envelope, let's see what I, at least in my city, what this policy might do. And I don't see strong evidence that it's going to improve the equity problem. It will improve the places that have a lot of retail pharmacies, however. Well, I think you're I think you're bringing up a great point, which is, you know, how do you really define access? And and certainly from a, a social determinants point of view, you know, it's not necessarily a zero sum game. It's not that, oh, let's not distribute vaccines in these areas. It is just realizing that, wait a minute, if we're using the mechanism 
of retail pharmacies for distribution, we have to know where that mechanism is not going to be effective. And we now have to find another means to really deliver those, right? That's the question of the last mile of if you don't have the infrastructure, you know, you've got to bring it in. And I think you're bringing up a really good point, which is what can we learn from all of this kind of post-pandemic, which is it's very, very obvious. The pandemic has shown us where there's gaps in the health system, because if we're having a hard time distributing a life-saving vaccine in certain communities and geographies, then that's a very very good indication that we don't have healthcare there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very salient point. In fact, post-pandemic, it'd be really interesting to look at how all that broke down and then make policy decisions around that. Well, it may be it may be something for our own run sheet as we think about our, our research going forward. We have come to the end of our time. Just as a quick recap, today we focus a lot on distribution of the vaccines, and Trina walked us through how the U.S. is doing in terms of the numbers of vaccinations per day and how that's been rising. Uh, a bit of a comparison globally to see where we sit there. So we've distributed the, the largest number of vaccines, but actually as a percentage of our population, we're not at the top. So we've got some more opportunity there. And then we walked through one of the major questions that's been really challenging the country throughout the pandemic, which is the unevenness of who the pandemic affects. And we're starting to even see that with, with vaccine distribution. And we talked a bit about maybe even what we can do about that to make that a more equitable health delivery. So with that, Trina, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your knowledge. My pleasure. And for our listeners, if you're interested in top trends, our thoughts around the vaccine and the pandemics, also our research around social determinants of health and what type of interventions work well for different communities, we'd love to have you see more of our information at pwc.com backslash HRI. And this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.